Hello. Just before we begin this week's episode, I'm walking a very special musical Camino in May 2024, and I'm inviting you to join me. Won't you join me? Won't you join me? I'm walking from Leon to Santiago de Compostela in the first three weeks of May next year. I'll be performing concerts along the way. Pilgrims walking with me will pay a fee and every cent will go towards making my new album, Storyteller. We are already selling spots, so if you're interested, join now. Just go to danmullinsmusic.com. There's a list of frequently asked questions and a basic itinerary. Won't you join me? Won't you join me? Join me for a magical musical Camino. To reserve your spot, go to danmullinsmusic.com. Won't you join me? Won't you join me? Welcome to my Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. Happy New Year, 2024. I know what you're thinking because it's exactly what I'm thinking. 24 years into this century already. It's amazing. Happy New Year to you and those you love from me and my family here in Australia. Wishing you 12 months of success, 52 weeks of laughter, 365 days of fun, 8,760 hours of joy, 525,600 minutes of good luck, and 31,536,000 seconds of happiness. Happy New Year. God willing, it will be a year of discovery and adventure. Lots of singing and dancing, lots of telling stories and collecting stories. Here's to 2024. It's great to have your company for another week. Another episode where we delve deep into the psyche of another pilgrim. And we'll get to that in a moment. But before we do, a very special shout out to my Patreon sponsors. You help to keep the podcast up and running with production costs, software, licenses and the like. And a very special shout out to Monica and Aaron who joined as patrons this month. Thank you for your kindness. You can sponsor the podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash Dan This is a weekly podcast about El Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James. St. James was one of Christ's twelve apostles. He was part of what was considered to be Jesus' inner circle. James and his brother John were given the title Bonerges by Jesus, Sons of Thunder. Most probably, according to scholars, it was due to their fiery zeal. Other interpretations give Bonerges a definition of a fiery preacher, particularly with a loud voice. So, we learn a little more about the saint for whom pilgrims walk on the Camino. As you know, I had a voice scare last year. At the time of recording, I'm about to start performing again, and I can't wait to welcome back that part of my life. I'm also looking forward to welcoming pilgrimage back into my life in 2024. Pilgrimage is such a blessing, and pilgrims walk with blessing, the blessings of the Son of Thunder, 
In doing the research for this week's interview, I came across a quote from Frederick Douglass, who himself is an amazing story. He was an American lobbyist and staunch abolitionist. He lived from 1818 to 1895. He's considered to be the leading figure in the African-American civil rights movement in the 19th century. And he said, It's not light that we need, but fire. It's not the gentle shower, but thunder. We need the storm, the whirlwind, and the earthquake. And we've talked before about Soli Sombre, light and shade. It's a drink of mixed light spirits with dark spirits. The Spanish say you cannot have light without some shade, no shade without some light. And last time I was in Madrid with friends and I mentioned Soli Sombra, they had a different understanding. They said the drink's name comes from the different types of seats one can buy at bullfights. The cheap seats are Sol, they're in the sun, whereas the most expensive seats are Sombra and are shaded. A Soli Sombra ticket has some shade and some sun throughout the day. We all have light and shade, and we will all have light and shade in this new year. We will also have thunder and lightning, and we will find solace in the passing of the storm. My guest this week is an Australian pilgrim, Liz Phillips. Liz first contacted me back in October 2021. If you'll forgive me the indulgence, Liz wrote, Hi Dan, wanted to pass on my sincere thanks for helping me get through the latest Sydney lockdown. Yeah, we are out and my hair is done. I discovered your podcast by chance and I haven't looked back. You and your guests have been my companion on all my walking. I plan to do the Camino Frances in 2023. My first episode was The Canadian Gardener and I haven't looked back. Thanks again. I really enjoyed them. Then I got a message in March this year. Liz had booked a Camino for September this year. And then this from a few weeks ago. Well, Dan, I've just returned to Sydney after walking the Camino Frances over 40 days. You were right. It was magic. It was wonderful by 10. It has changed my life. I've reset. And now I can't wait to go back again. Someday. Liz Phillips is on the line. Welcome, Pilgrim. Thank you so much, Dan. It's lovely to be here. I'm just so excited to uh, be able to talk about my experience and, and what it's meant to me. So thank you. Well, it's my pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, you've been back now, I guess, a month or so, a month and a half. How was it? It's funny because people ask you and, and you think, gosh, how do I describe it in about two sentences before any eyes glaze over. So you kind of have two responses. You have people who have missed you and have noticed that you've been away. And then you have people who have heard of the Camino and are contemplating um, doing that sort of adventure in the, in the next little while, so the next couple of years. And I find it hard to describe, only to say maybe that the Camino is kind of not the walk. The Camino is what actually happens to you when you're on the walk. And the uh, the people that you meet, the beautiful humanity, by uh, no stretch of the imagination, it is hard. It is hard. And, and I, I'd classify myself as being fit for it. 
but there were days that I seriously had to dig deep. And it's only when I look back at my polar steps map that I go, oh boy, we just walked across Spain. Uh, because one day turns into the next, I'm, I'm sure you can appreciate that, and other pilgrims who may have done the walk from um, Saint-Jean as well. It, one day moulds into the next, and sometimes that's great, but sometimes it just goes on. And then when you step back and look at what you've achieved, um, I have to agree with someone I heard that said uh, it's, it's one of the most um, cherished achievements um, they've done, and, and I would have to agree with them. Wow, how fantastic. You know, you mentioned in that one of those emails about lockdown and my hair is done. Take us back to that. And and was there a sense on the Camino that all of that was history now? It, it strangely, it, it is history, and we, and we certainly um, are able to do what we want to do. And and maybe that's a theme that. You know, in modern life, there's there's really anything that you can't do, can't get your hands on. You know, food's always in season. But what I found, what I loved, and, and the common thing between COVID and the Camino is the simplicity of life that the two had in common. And, and in a way, whilst uh, we can go and travel and be on these wonderful pilgrimages, um, tapping into that similar feeling that happened um, while we were in COVID sort of came back to me a little. And as I was mentioning earlier about COVID, we have this shared experience now. So there is that lovely communion of people and, and the way that they coped with it. And, you know, they've got their sad stories too. And um, also, you know, the wonderful things that they discovered as well. Yeah, and you said that you had, well, almost two years' notice um, to prepare yourself. Did you do much planning, Liz? Um, what, I, what did I do? I, I did a lot of listening to podcasts. Um, yours was the main one, and another one called Camino, Camino Cafe or Camino Coffee. Um, I walked, I, I planned this walk with a friend, and so we each did a little bit of um, research in, in different places. Uh, we, we got together a master list and I guess being both sort of uh, busy working women, we decided that uh, we would spend 23 trying not to think about the Camino until August because, because it's so late in the year, we would we didn't want the mistake of just wishing 23 away and being all consumed. So we thought, let's let's not think about it after we made our master list. Let's just listen to people's stories and meet people in Sydney who could give us advice. Um, but, but let's not obsess about it until uh, August. And so therefore, we were able to have the 23 without being so excited about going on Camino. <laughs> Because it just it just envelops everything you do once you do start thinking so much about it. You, you're obviously I know. it's insane. You're obviously a walker because you said you were listening to my podcast while you walked. What about planning for training, Liz? Did you do much walking in preparation? Yeah, I I just wanted to get my general fitness up because I heard that someone said 
if you can be fit for the first two weeks, then that'll take you through to possibly the end of the six weeks. So, yes, I walked... Oh, I've got some lovely walking tracks around where I live. So I tried to walk at least sort of 14 Ks on the weekend, like at least two days during the week of 14 Ks. Um, definitely walking every day, even if it was a short half hour, just getting your body used to walking every day. We we walked in the rain. Um, we planned. It's funny. Uh, we don't... We tend to avoid walking in the rain and we thought, you know, there's going to be days when we're going to have to walk. We, we, we have to learn to walk in the rain. And I've come to love walking in the rain if you're all prepared. Um, but it's interesting, uh, the coincidence of you talking about the Son of Thunder today because um, I'm absolutely petrified of lightning and thunder and we had to walk through a thunderstorm and that really, really challenged me. That's sort of my Achilles heel of all my sort of hiking experiences is walking through lightning. And, and that was quite challenging for me um, and something that I can um, sort of elaborate later. So it's when you said thunder, it's like, oh, my gosh, that day I went, I'll never forget that day. Wow. Why are you frightened of thunder? Uh, my uh, my husband's a sports coach and uh, he's always um, instilled in us that, you know, you need to get off a, um, a sporting field um, when there's thunder off a tennis court or a cricket pitch. And I guess um, the, the electricity and I think I feel like the sky's coming down and absolutely... Um, yeah, so I know at the beginning of the show, you're talking about it energising you. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I, I'm scared it's going to kill me. <laughs> um, so I've always avoided it. But walking out of Pamplona, we we Google got this wrong, which I'm so surprised. It said the, the clouds will clear, the rain will clear by 8 a.m. So we'd normally get up by 7, try and get on the road soon after, but we had to sit in a cafe and we waited for an hour and then we thought, okay, okay, but it never cleared. And then we thought, well, you know, you just got to go. And we started off and the, the downpour came as we left Pamplona. And, you know, as you, you head out of Pamplona, you head to the, the many, many uh, wind farms yeah. and as well the Hill of Forgiveness, which is – white you know steel structures <laughs> so i'm walking thinking i'm walking towards wind farms i'm walking towards a steel structure please lord can today not be my day and i just had to put one foot in front of the other and it's and for the for the first time i was quite frightened and as an adult we try and curate our lives such that we never have ourselves in that situation where we're frightened but it you know, you can't go back. It's the only way to go forward. Um, and I was so thankful for my friend. She was super, super supportive. Um, and as we made it up to the uh, hill of uh, forgiveness, um, on the other side, the clouds broke through and, and the sun came out. 
and then it was 30 degrees so it's like <laughs> the feast or famine and we were sort of baking at the end of it but yeah it, it was quite um quite the episode and then fast forward another three and a half weeks we were walking near Rabanal and there is a military site adjacent to that pathway and every 15 minutes there was explosions going off so I was then had this kind of PTSD about these thunderstorms and I thought what's going on and then I sort of texted my newly found Spanish Brains Trust and I said could you ask people you know is is there a you know highway construction or or are we walking past a military zone and uh, he came back and said yeah no it's military so they were letting off explosives sort of every 15 minutes for oh, a good a good hour and a half that we were walking on this path so wow. they were the two greatest challenges those days yeah right even though you were frightened why did you keep walking why didn't you stop well, yeah, well, in a pra practical way, we were, we, we just had to keep going right. um, and, and get to the next town. And I remember standing on this little awning and with about 10 other pilgrims and it was just coming, bucketing down. And you, you just take on the confidence of the people around you. And I thought look, everyone else seems to be coping with this, then I guess I, sh I should be able to as well. So um, you start talking to people if, you're, if they're sort of close enough to you and um, try to find a bit of a light conversation. I remember where we were standing under the awning and it was bucketing down. This American gentleman just loved like Magnum ice creams and he was standing there eating a magnum ice cream. And uh, then I saw him a couple of hours later and he was eating another one. But uh, I just thought, I'll see, I'll just see the light in, in, and the lightness of what was happening around me. And again, to try and balance that, that fear. Yeah, yeah. How interesting, because that's exactly what I talked about in the introduction. Light and shade, good and bad days, soli sombre. How do you motivate yourself, Liz, on difficult days on the Camino? I, I, I like to, um, well, I like to daydream and I like to think. But to be really honest, I, I've got two young gentlemen, two lovely sons who are 20 and 23 and they're, they're embarking on their careers now and they're just starting off. And um, one, one of the things I always talk about to them is life, you're going to come across hard things and you're going to need to do hard things. And it's just about trying not to eat the elephant all at once. And that's just like one step after the other and taking it slowly and, and not putting this big burden on yourself to be competitive with your neighbour. So I, I found it very easy to just walk by myself and 
you know, get into the lovely rhythm, the sound of gravel under your feet, or maybe it's really just concentrating on uh, the sounds of the sparrows. I think I was so impressed with the bird life in in Spain. I was not expecting that. It was just so lovely. So the soundtrack to the Camino was uh, gravel, crunching gravel, um, the sweet um, sparrows, and also, funnily enough, the blister packs in the morning when everyone's getting up and and taking those uh, osteopanadols and everything like that to get the morning going. That's funny. That's funny. I'd forgotten about that. That's right. They are. The, that sound, the cracking sound of those blister packs. That's really funny. The crack. I'd forgotten, yeah. You mentioned earlier that you, you, you were walking toward uh, the the sculpture at the top of the hill outside Pamplona, and you said, you know, Lord, don't don't make it that today be the day. Did you do much praying, Liz? Are you a prayer by and large? Yeah, I I am. I'm 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 Catholic. Um, I uh, am I I'm a I'm a practicing Catholic. Um, not so much church going, but. Someone once told me, and it was um, a, a brother, it was a, a Maris brother, and he said, uh, sacred ground is actually the ground that you stand on. So that's why, whilst I don't go to church as often as I would like, I, I, I classify myself as, as spiritual. And I did nominate that I was doing the Camino um, for a couple of reasons, but definitely um, spiritual. And as you know, when you walk in the heat of summer or, or just after summer, you're you're up and out and on the way before sunrise. And it's that beautiful cool of the morning and you've got your headlamp on and you're just crunching along the path. And there were times when I was by myself and I just used the first 20 minutes of the day to um, reflect on where I was and express gratitude, but also to think about my faith. And, you know, one of the reasons I did the Camino because we'd had a couple of hard years as a family and you know, whilst I don't want to say, you know, touch wood, it's, everything's okay, because as soon as you say that, life's got a funny way of, of mm. having different ideas. But it was finally a time when I was able to spend time by myself um, and away from the family. And then I, I got to just thinking, well, what next for me? Um, I, I'm in my early 50s. Um, I've probably got a decade of, of work left. What, what do I want from life? And And I sort of put that into prayers, very basic prayers, and sort of other people that I came across the Camino who are also spiritual, I, I, I listened to what they had to, to say. And I was also um, in contact with my um, family, and my dad's a spiritual man as well, and he asked me to pray for people who are unwell. So I'd start the morning with uh, some simple prayers, some gratitude, and then I would just work down the list of all the people that you know, or either coming out of surgery or having a hard time. And and I, that really that really sustained me, that, that first 20 minutes in the cool of the morning. Oh, what a lovely thing to recall. And I suppose when you think back to that, you think, 
uh, that was a little bit of that was a little bit of preparation, a little bit of groundwork, a little bit of homework to make a difference in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how fantastic! What about meeting other pilgrims? Tell us about oh. meeting people from all around the world. Oh, it was lovely. Um, I, I had a friend who'd done the Camino before, and she recommended that I spend, or my friend um, Jackie, who uh, was walking with me, that we spend the first night at Orison because they had a, a sort of like a communal dinner and, and you would get to meet and potentially make a Camino family um, with some of the people that we met. So that that was a very sort of intentional um, night stay at Orison. And oh, like, <laughs> it was probably a third Aussie slash New Zealanders. So I, I, I think we... We, we might have thought that we were um, invading the place, but it was lovely. Um, some people of note uh, I'd like to mention is this beautiful Italian couple and their four-year-old son. Now, I, I, must admit, I was surprised to see a child that young on the Camino, and whilst on that particular night I didn't get their full story, over the next four days, we crossed paths with them. And their names were, uh, the dad was Alessandro, the mum, um, Carmelo, and the little beautiful boy was Sebastian. And they had Sebastian in one of those um, jogger-type prams, right. but with a cover over it. And I'm thinking, we've got our backpacks on. And we're going up over the Pyrenees and this family, this beautiful little family, is pushing this child um, over the, the Pyrenees as well. But they they were just delightful. I've never seen a child so beautifully behaved. And just the interaction between Sebastian and his parents. His parents would have been in their early 30s. And it was just so gentle and loving and caring and and they must have known they must know him so well that they know how to take this child up over the Pyrenees down into Ronson Valleys down into Sibiri all with this um, large um, push um, jogger thing and I just it was so sweet and so lovely and I I would often just sit there and watch them, you know, eat an ice cream together. And when I got talking um, to the family, they were saying that they, they're Italian, so they come on the Camino. It's their first stage of a plan that every year they're going to walk 300 kilometres. So they'll finish up at 300 and then they'll come back next summer and do the next 300 and so on. But they were just so delightful and humble and hosp hospitable. I, I actually labelled them. I named them like the first family mm. and the first Jesus, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus because I thought that like, because in, in the Catholic faith we're often told to look at people and imagine is that the face of Jesus because that is a, it's a kind of a trigger for us is to, you know, be kind to everyone because this might be this might be Jesus that that we're 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 talking to and we need to be on our best behaviour. But I was thinking maybe this could this be, you know, a reincarnation of the first family. 
because they were just so calm and delightful and, oh. you know, never saw a crossword or anything like that. How wonderful. What a beautiful story. What a beautiful image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw also um, met so many, uh, so many other people. Um, and uh, Richard from Ireland, he was uh, an, an older Irish gentleman, but as mad as a cut snake, as we'd say in Australia. And, and he had the best stories. And when we were at the end of a hard day, one that when we were coming into, um, I think it's one of the last, in the last week, it had rained all day. We still had five kilometres to go and, and we implored him to walk with us to just tell us stories. He was such a great storyteller. Um, and... But, but mad as and with the kindest heart. And he was a gentleman that had just finished 40 years working um, in London, heading back to Ireland after the Camino. And he just jumped on the Camino like with three-week prep. Like he just decided, I'm going to do it. But he was in London, so it's, it's not as far as coming from Australia. But uh, I know that people are there. I, I heard... Um, Emilio Estevez talk about when they relaunched the Way movie. I think this year they had a special mm. screening of it because it's become so popular. And he said, the people that you meet on the Camino are people that you're meant to meet. And I would say that that I would 100% agree with that now because they they show you something about yes, themselves or they, they ask you to think about something in your life and um I'm, I'm totally totally on board with what he was saying i totally agree with that yeah that's really interesting really interesting and a very very insightful perspective but you wrote to me and said it changed my life dan i've, I've reset why did you need resetting or did you know you needed resetting no i i know i didn't because i was sort of just going over to the um, the the pilgrimage just as time for myself. Uh, I know it sounds a little selfish, but I just wanted this time to myself. And although going with a friend, I knew that we'd meet other people and there'd be times of solitude. So I actually, I wasn't looking to reset necessarily. Um, but what I came to realise was that We've, we're faced with a lot of talk at the moment about sustainability. And, and what I found was I feel like I'm taking on a lot of angst when it comes to, you know, living a sustainable life and, you know, there's mm. climate and then there's like symposiums happening around the world that, you know, we have to figure this out and, you know, are we really living a life where we can exist for a long time yet. And and I came to realise that being on the Camino, I had a break from that. And so um, then coming back, it's like I'm going I'm going to apply what I learned on the Camino to my life, which will help me understand how to live a, a more sustainable life and and I kind of just jotted down what did you know it's like what did I mean by that and it, it means that if if I because you sometimes go well how can I just one person help to to 
you know, improve sustainability. Well, I can just live a sustainable life. And, and by that, I mean that um, I'll take away the complexity because I'm not going to lean into the drama anymore. I'm not going to lean into the drama of, of other people's lives. I, I don't need to be part of that. And it's not even actively being part of leaning into it. It's just even mentally leaning into it and having an opinion on someone else's situation. So I'm not going to lean into that drama anymore. Um, the other thing I realise that takes a lot of energy is the sense of competition that we have in our lives. You know, the, the, the experiences that we have, the things our children do, the activities that we, that we do in our lives. Like, just I've just come to see competition. I've just, when you're on the Camino, you can see things more clearly. And I just felt that, you know, competition can be ugly and it can, and it can lead to you going down paths that you really shouldn't go down. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. you, you spend a lot of time. And then the last thing was um, the communion of sharing. I saw a lot of sharing that happened along the way, people lending ponchos, people um, giving food, um, people uh, lending charges. And I, I got to thinking, we really don't have to own everything. And so that simplicity is something that I'm really going to try hard to, to really try and foster. But in doing that, Dan, it hasn't been easy because... Um, when you look at your life, you come back into your life and you go, oh, my gosh, I, I own so many things. And even I clean out my house regularly, but I still have a lot of stuff. And and what will I do with that stuff? And who can I give it to? And, you know, sitting by a tree or sitting beside a stream or on the side of a highway, why can't I just do that at home? Why can't I just rest at home yeah. as well? Yeah. Well, did you find the answer? I'm finding the answer now. I'm practicing. Everything's a practice, right? Yeah. You've got to, you, you know, it, it, it's um, your body needs to practice sitting. Your body, your mind needs to practice. Don't go down there. Don't, don't be thinking about that. That's got nothing to do with you. Stop thinking about that, you know. Uh, turn your attention to something else. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a practice. What did you love most about the Camino, Liz? Well, I, I loved going back in time. So, so for me, the Camino um, was a bit of time travel, to be honest, and, again, and I was again, took me completely by surprise. Um, you know, I love daydreaming. And one of my sort of guilty pleasures is sort of watching TV and, and movies and things like that. And I was, you know, you, you're just trying to think about something as you do the last five Ks of a day. And anyway, I, I my attention turned to all those shows that I'd watched before that had walking in it. It's like, because you know, you know how sometimes they say to, to walk the Camino, you just pick a, a topic for the day and you go, okay, today I'm going to think about friendship. 
okay, mm. what kind of friend am I, whatever, or the next day, like, what, what kind of parent have I been, what kind, how was I parented, um, what kind of parents are my siblings, and da-da-da, anyway, so this one day, I thought, oh, I'm just going to think about all the movies that have walking in it, and, and the three that came to mind, the first two were, like, Frodo and Lord of the Rings, and then the second was, like, Rick and his gang in The Walking Dead. And it's like, oh, my goodness. This is what it must have been like. It's like, you've got a quest and you just have to keep walking. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, and you don't always have food there and you, you've got it. You've got a, a quest or something that you're, you're, that's propelling you forward. Um, but then I, I chanced upon sort of in my, you know, going through that catalogue in my head, it was Stand By Me. And, you know, the story of the four boys that um, go on a, a sort of a, a camping hiking yeah, yeah. trip. And, and that, that was probably the closest for the Camino to me. It was back to our childhood. The, the biggest decisions we had to make was like, what, what am I going to eat today? Like all those adulting things just didn't exist anymore. And even the little childhood things like the the stamps in our passport, you know, to a child, collecting things is so important. And I kind of felt that when we would walk into a town or we'd, we'd stop at our albergue for the night, it's like, have, you, have we got our stamps? Have we got our stamps? And, and even you can rock into a little town and there'd be someone that would do pretty wax seals and, yeah, and all yeah. that sort of thing. And, and that just, that child, that childhood delight, I think that that's what I just loved so much um, about the, the Camino. And, you know, the top bunk, like, you know, when we were kids, we just would race to that top bunk. Now, you, if you sort of rock in and go, oh, yeah, you've got the top bunk, it's like, oh, my God, I <laughs> <laughs> on those little steel tubes, oh, yeah. which is going to be painful. But it was just, oh, just that that magical sense. And you know what the other thing is when you're on the Camino, as like in childhood, no one really asks you what you do. Like children don't care, oh, are you a student? Oh, I'm a student. No, no, they don't. It's not what they do. It's like, so what brings you, you joy? It's like, you know, what kind of things do you like to do after school or what hobbies do you have? Are you into collecting trucks or are you into Lego? And and kids just ask each other about what brings them joy. Yeah. And I found by the end of the Camino, people were just so open to being asked, you know, you know, what floats your boat? What what are you really looking forward to getting out of life? What do you want to enjoy? What have you enjoyed? And so it's that real childhood simplicity and and even i remember um we we went you know the, all those lovely donativos and again that was something that blew my mind um the one we walked in we went walked into a few but the one that i didn't realize who it was but we walked into wisdom of the way we we met simon Keenan and oh yeah I, I didn't know who he was at the time because since then you know my friend and I were sort of like stalking them on on the internet it's like oh this place is so incredible but 
I remember walking in there after I think we had um, were on our way to Saria, and we walked in, and it's like a kid at a kid's party. You know, when you walk up to the table, and it's just a bounty. You know, there's fruit and there's tea and there's nuts and and I remember going oh my goodness Paula they've got peanut butter and yeah. like when was the last time that you got excited by a spread you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just thinking oh my god there's bread we can have toast and we can have peanut butter and and it, I just kind of stopped myself and I thought oh my when, when was the last time that I I just experienced delight at something so simple and I think that's what the magic of the Camino was also for me, was that that sense of going back and remembering how simple life can be and how joyful it can be. Wow, what a great answer. That's absolutely fantastic. So now let me ask you what you would have done differently. Have you thought about that? Um, it's, I, I have, um, but I'm... Would I have done anything differently? Look, um, my friend and I, we prided ourselves on um, a really great, like, master list. And, and, you know, my friend Jackie uh, was so good at, you know, helping cull our packing list. Um, at the time, just before we lent, I was kind of going... <laughs> I was just kind of getting a bit kind of antsy that there was so few items on our packing list <laughs> and I was thinking oh, I'm sure I could sneak something else in but I thought no 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 let's be true to the list and we just um took what we needed to take and oh <laughs> once we started I could have kissed her feet it's like yes we definitely didn't need to take all of this and so so um to answer that would I do anything differently in guarding the practical side no we we were very diligent in kind of not taking anything extra yeah. would I, what would I have done differently oh, oh we gave ourselves a lot of time to do the Camino um, and I'm really grateful that we we did that that would be a tip um, it, it, it's not it's not a race but I do I do appreciate and get that some people only have so many days um, but especially from Australia, we wanted to soak up every moment. So we spent two nights in Saint-Jean um, and, and, and we came across a lady as we got off the bus. She was changing into her shorts and said, oh, yeah, this, it's already 12 o'clock midday. And she said, oh, yeah, um, I'm just going to find the pilgrim's office and then tonight's at Ronsonvalis. And we were just going like, what? That's wow. like 27 kilometres and you're starting at midday and it's already 28 degrees. Wow. So that, that was blowing our minds. So I I just think just give, give yourself the time, if you can, to really take it all in. Take it all in. Give, your, give yourself the time to, to be able to stop and daydream. I worked out... We didn't end up having any rest days. Maybe, maybe that's the thing I could have done was built in rest days. We we worked out that we had forty days. We had eight hundred kilometres, so that equals twenty kilometres. That's how much my feet can do. And mm. I'm talking as a early fifties 
fit person. So there's people younger who can do more than that. And I can say there's people older that probably can do more than that yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, but resting maybe. But I, I just felt that I was going to lose momentum. But I got into, we got into town at like 12, 1 o'clock. So we, we did rest during the long afternoon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love those long afternoons. I just love them so much. Did you keep a diary or, or, or write a journal, Liz? I, I, um, I took photos as a, oh, I used Polisep. Thank, you know, bless my cousin, Michelle. Um, she suggested Poli the Polisteps app. And what I do was I'm more a pictorial journaler. So I take photos of key things that will jog my memory. But I would load it up every night um, on the Polar Steps app and I'd write three sentences um, that somehow captured the day. And knowing that I was on the other side um, of the globe, um, I'd try and get it done before I went to bed at night, which is usually about 8.30. And I would have people who were keen surveyors of the the journey they'd wake up um my uh, beautiful mother-in-law would would grab her coffee and she told me she'd open up and that would be the first thing that she'd read each day was my adventures from the day before so that that was really lovely but because i kept i i just wanted to keep it short just three sentences i've now gone back over that record and put in a few more things you know, before I forget it, you know, some funny stories that might have happened. And and maybe over time, I'll just fill it out a little bit more. But it, it was a great way. I didn't need to be in contact with everyone. I sort of said to my family, love you all, but I'm on pilgrimage. I'll call you. Um, <laughs> don't you, you don't call me, I'll call you type of thing. And so they kind of, with this polar steps, they had proof of life. <laughs> they knew where I was. Um, and I just loved my, I, I got a few comments back from my sons. I said, mom, you just, you're smiling so much. Oh, great. And, you know, isn't that lovely to hear that when your children notice yeah. that about you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, if that's the only thing you got from your Camino, that's a pretty good thing to get. Mm, that's mm. fantastic. That's fantastic. Liz, just tell us about Polar Steps then. It's just an app that I get on the app store like any other app. Yeah, yeah. So what you can do uh, is, yeah, it's just called Polar Steps and you can preload it with dates, um, some dates. So I knew when my flights were going to be, so I put my flights in. And what it does is it overlays your entries onto a globe or a map. And uh, you can see, zoom in, and each entry is tagged on a point um, of the map. So it's really lovely. It, it looked like when I was finished, it looked like the hungry caterpillar because they're all yes. circles and there was this string of circles across yeah. the top of Spain. Um, so, because and it's only then that you can go, oh my goodness, we walked across Spain. Uh, look at that. Um, because you, you don't necessarily get the context 
you just know you've been working for walking for a long time but you you see that hungry caterpillar across spain and you go wow and then and so it it helps um and then you can also i did some we went to madrid beforehand that was also on the the journey and then i went to menorca and barcelona after the camino and that was also included so um yeah highly recommended it. it's it was free um and not glitchy and uh you know in spain they have great reception along the camino so we were able to post daily wow polar steps there you go and it's polar as in polar bear p-o-l-a-r correct correct tell us about walking into santiago de compostela oh gosh um oh gosh got goosebumps um i had a friend or i had i'd made a friend um before i left it was a friend of a friend and they knew i was going on the camino they said oh you must meet our uh our friend daryl he's done the camino and uh so that he was very good to be a bit of a brains trust before I went. Um, he actually even gifted me a beautiful scallop shell from Australia. So I, I took that with me. And I'm so glad that he actually didn't tell me where he got the shell from before I went on my Camino because I might not have accepted it because it was quite special because he told me, so Daryl won't mind me saying he's uh, in his 60s and it was from his parents' trip around Australia 20 years ago. They're in their 90s now um, and they did a trip in their 70s around Australia and they collected all these shells. Anyway, he picked a scallop shell out of that collection and gave it to me. And when I heard that, I wrote to him and said, oh, my goodness, thank goodness you didn't give it to me because I wouldn't have accepted it because it, it's so lovely and meaningful and, it, you know, it, it's connected to your family. But anyway, um, we texted the odd occasion while I was on Camino and he says, oh, you know, good luck with your entry into Santiago. You know, you're probably going to cry and get all emotional and it's like... And I went, yeah, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe. I, you know, I, I don't cry in movies, so I kind of thought, oh, you know, that I think that's what other people do. <laughs> anyway, so, um, <laughs> so here's me eating my words. Um, so you, you kind of, you know, you hit the Santiago airport, which is funny that you walk past the Santiago airport and then it's still a long way in, into the town. But then you eventually get onto the outskirts. And then you start thinking, oh, we're, we're coming coming to the end. Now, it had been raining all day and, you know, we were also just having to concentrate when you're tired and uh, you're, you know, you've got to navigate slippery paths. And, and we still had 20 kilometres to walk to yeah. finish. Yeah. Some, some pilgrims sort of, you know how some pilgrims sort of, you know, stop, just out of town the night before so they come in really early yeah they do yeah but we were coming in like a normal day and uh and i thought i'd just take a little bit of footage um because it was part of the you know a special part of, of the journey the finish and when we hit the 1k mark i started recording and 
all of a sudden I, I started to get emotional and I started tearing up. Um, and by that stage, I was walking with a lovely uh, lady, Paula, and she's kind of just looking at me because I met her. She was she was only had run two weeks, so it was it hadn't been as long a journey for her. Um, and she's kind of looking at me strangely, like we were doing by then. We were giving each other strange looks, and 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 I kind of said, I'm, I'm not sure what's coming over me, but I started sort of tearing up. I I just I I. Don't, I don't know why I did then, but anyway, I stopped recording and, and we walked and then we were, you know how you come down that street and you actually arrive in the plaza beside the cathedral. Yeah, that's I, right. I kind of didn't, because I didn't research it. I didn't want to research the end. I just wanted to experience it. So I actually, I'm not sure, but I, but from all the photos that you see, I think I thought I was going to approach it from the bottom and come up at it at the front at the plaza, but you actually just sort of slink down the side um, of it. And then as soon as we noticed the spires on the cathedral and we heard the bagpipes and we came down the stairs, I just, I just burst into tears. I like, and again, I thought, what's going on? But by then I'd realised I just needed to go with it. And I think I'm just tearing a bit up a bit now. I just, um, I just went with it. Yeah. Don't fight it, Liz. Don't try to understand it. Just, just go with it. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I had a little cry. And I, well, probably it was a big cry, but, um, by then, you know, no one's looking at you and you know that everyone's in the same boat. And and it was just the achievement. I think it was just the communion of people. And being a Catholic, I'd always thought that I wanted to go to Rome. I always thought I wanted to go to Vatican, the Vatican, and that was where the spiritual centre was. But I've come to realise that for me, the Vatican is just HQ. It's just the admin buildings. Yeah. I actually believe now that the seat of Romans, you know, the Catholic spirituality is actually at Santiago. And Paula and I spoke for, at great lengths about there being a ley line across the Francis into Santiago. And, you know, I, I don't know much about them, but I, I do open myself up to understanding it all because I thought I don't understand what's happening to me as I'm coming into the plaza and I and I think and, and you know how sometimes you just got to trust your body like whatever's happening with your body you just let it go and I just let it go and and I called my husband I called my 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 two sons as well but I called them and spoke to them individually um, and it was just to share the moment with them. And they would have been going, oh, my gosh, mum's a blubbering mess. What's happened to her? Because <laughs> normally I'm the one that's got it all together. Yeah, and right. I think maybe this is the way to say you don't always have to have it all together. No, you don't. But that's part of the pilgrim's journey, isn't it? Allowing yourself to mm -hmm. open up to truly experience perhaps what you've always experienced but were too afraid to express, too afraid to mm -hmm. let yourself ex experience and 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 display out loud and and to everybody, yeah. 
wow, what an extraordinary story, Liz. How great. You're, you, you see, the thing is, you don't understand. You know, you said, oh, listening to my podcast, oh, you inspired me, Dan, and away we went. But you've inspired many people throughout the course of this discussion with your enthusiasm and, 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 and the way you've conducted your pilgrimage. Clearly, you went with a mission to make it mean something. And in order mm. to have that happen, I think it's just such a wonderful gift. Such a wonderful mm. gift. We're almost out of time. I can't believe it. I've been talking to you for 55 minutes. T <laughs> tell us a Camino story, Liz. Oh, yeah. I, I knew you were going to ask me that. So I was thinking, what what is the one thing that I, I just love truly talking about? And um, this little story, um, oh, and my friend Norm will probably laugh, but you know how the, the what is the three things that you are going to do after you've done the Camino? You're going to do it again, um, something else, and you're going to write a book about it. Can't remember the, the middle thing, but th there were three things. And I thought, well, I'm not going to write a book, um, but I'd know what the title is if I ever write it. And it's called The Lemon Biscuits. And what it, what it was, was this little day that we had. Um, we'd set off from um, Cacabellus. Um, we we're heading to Trebadello um, to meet our friend at Casa Susie. And you know the association with Casa Susie be the um, Australian. Of course. Yeah. I call it the Australian Albergue. And um, we'd chosen, we'd, we got up early as per our routine, but we'd chosen not to have breakfast straight away. And maybe we just thought, oh, we, we'll, we're due to come across a couple of little towns today, so surely something's going to be open for coffee and, and breakfast. Well, on most days we would have been right, but we miscalculated because this was a Sunday. And being in Spain, Sunday is kind of sacrosanct and nothing is open. And so we walked and we walked and we came across town and town and it was not looking good. And we even went through Villafranca and we could not find anything. And look, we're hit, hitting up the eight, nine kilometres now and without our first sort of coffee or hot drink, we're, we're sort of starting to not get a bit delirious, but like really, you know, trying to dig deep. And I was saying to Paula, look, you know, they say the Camino provides, we're, we're going to come across some something. Let's just keep the faith. Okay. So another three, four kilometers, keeping the faith, keeping the faith. And we finally got to this little town. It was about it was about four kilometres out of um, Trabadello. And we propped ourselves on this little public fountain. And um, we were, I'd describe us as like sitting there like little sad puppy dogs because we we hadn't had anything to eat. So we stopped and thought, okay, let's just rifle through our backpacks and see what food we have. Now, the sun was still rising and Richard, the Irishman that I spoke about um, earlier, kind, kind man, but you can hear him before you ever see him. And I said to Paula, oh my God, I think I can hear Richard. And there was this silhouette coming over the rise, but there was another man with him. 
And I said, oh, well, at least Richard's going to cheer us up. And then as he got closer, he said, oh, my goodness, there's Liz and Paula. What, what's happened to you two? And I said, well, we're feeling a bit sorry for ourselves because we don't, we haven't had our morning drink and, you know, we've walked 16 kilometres and we've just had a piece of fruit and um, we, we're just, we're not, the Camino is providing, but like it, it's not happening just yet. And then as soon as we said that, his companion, um, Damien the Frenchman, who was um, pulling a trailer from uh, like a little, you know, what you'd pull a child in yeah. with, from a bicycle, he had all his camping gear. And he goes, ladies, can I fix you a cup of hot tea? And out he pulled all his camping gear and brewed us these two beautiful um, hot teas even had a selection of flavours. And then Richard said, well, you can't have tea without biscuits. And then he pulled out a fresh, unopened packet of lemon biscuits. And there we sat and had the most beautiful, amazing. And then I turned to Paula and said, see, the Camino provides. That's great. And I just thought he's just, they were our little angels. And, um, you know, it wasn't until like the 600 kilometer mark that I started manifesting things. And that was probably around that mark where I, I said, now's the time to start manifesting things. And it was magical. That's so great. Lemon Biscuits. What a great name for a book. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'd write about, but I just, I, I love that story because I think it just encapsulated everything that had been great the, you know, the, the brotherhood and everything, meeting Richard, meeting Paula, meeting Damien, who we never saw again, but that beautiful French pilgrim, you know, bless his heart, he, he couldn't do enough for us. And, that, like, he just didn't know us from a bar of soap. So, you know, that's what people would do that for you. That's so true. It's so true. It's a, it's a really good example of what you spoke about earlier when it's, when it's people showing that love, that, that global community coming together, it's so great. And it is, you're right, a step back in time. And we didn't necessarily need to worry about everything that we have to worry about now. And indeed, one of those mm -hmm. things was the pandemic. And that's when you and I began talking during the pandemic. Seems like such a long, long time ago. But thanks for taking the time to talk to us today, Liz. And I hope 2024 oh, is full of joy and laughter. There's sure to be some light and shade, but that's what keeps us moving forward. It keeps us engaged and engaging. And you have certainly been both of those things talking to me today. Thank you so much. And buen, thank you. Buen Camino. Oh, thank you so much, Dan. And to all those potential pilgrims, Buen Camino was my favourite saying, favourite saying. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. My guest this week was the Australian pilgrim, Liz Phillips. And my quote this week is from Frederick Douglass, a leading figure in the African-American civil rights movement in the 19th century. He said, It is not light that we need, but fire. It's not the gentle shower, but thunder. We need the storm, the whirlwind, and the earthquake. Happy New Year to you and those you love from me and my family here in Australia. I hope to see you on the Camino in May. That's all we have time for this week. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino.